Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. In today's message, Dr. Forrest presents his teaching, He is Able and He is Willing. The title of my message this morning is, He is Able and He is Willing. I say again, he is able and he is willing. And when I say he, I mean the Lord, of course. So the first passage I want you to turn to in your devices or your Bibles would be Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. And we'll begin reading at verse 18. I'll be reading in the New King James Version, Matthew chapter 9, starting at verse 18. There's some awesome stuff here. I'm going to get a little excited, so I'm letting you know ahead of time. These are not terribly deep revelations, but they are fundamental revelation that we need if we're going to receive from God. Amen. Verse 18. It's talking about Jesus. While he spoke these things to them, behold, a ruler came and worshipped him, saying, My daughter has just died. But come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. Now we know from other gospel accounts in Mark and Luke that this ruler's name was Jairus. And he was a ruler of the synagogue. So he was a high up religious leader, a high up religious official, evidently of some prestige in that region. So it's very heartwarming to me that all of that went out of the window when the man humbled himself before Jesus. Listen, he didn't care about protocol. He didn't care about his reputation. He didn't care what other people were saying about Jesus. All he cared about was he wanted his daughter back. He just wanted her alive and well. So verse 18 says, Jairus came and worshipped Jesus. But I want you to know that that word translated as worshipped in the English is a huge understatement when you look at the meaning of the word in the Greek. The word worshipped in the Greek means that Jairus prostrated himself before Jesus, probably sobbing, probably kissing his feet, while he literally begged Jesus to come and raise his daughter from the dead. Very touching scene. And he was not the least bit concerned about his dignity because his daughter's life was on the line. The next thing I want you to see is that Jairus evidently had heard of the miracles that Jesus was performing. How else could he believe that he was able to raise his daughter from the dead? You know, if you don't believe he's able... You don't need to go any further in developing a prayer request or asking God to do a work or a miracle in your life. Because if he's not able, or even if you think he's not able, he can't help you. Because you have decided he's not able to solve your problem. You have decided he's not able to intervene in your situation. You have decided he's not able to help you overcome overwhelming odds. Remember when we just read 
what Jairus said. Out of his own mouth, he said what he believed. My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she shall live. As I said earlier, it appears that Jairus believed that Jesus was able to raise his daughter from the dead. But I don't believe he was as convinced that Jesus was willing to come to his house and raise his daughter from the dead. Which explains why he threw himself at Jesus' feet, literally begging for the life of his daughter. Verse 19. So Jesus arose and followed him, that is Jairus and his company, and so did his disciples. Listen, by heading towards Jairus' house, Jesus was making a very clear statement to Jairus and the crowds around him. Not only am I able to bring you the miracle you need, I am willing to bring you the miracle that you need. Verse 20, and suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. So as Jesus and his disciples start heading to the house of Jairus, the woman with the issue of blood that you can also read about in Mark chapter 5 shows up and touches the hem of his garment. Verse 21, for she said to herself, if only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. You know the story. You know from Mark 5 that this woman had heard about Jesus and no doubt had heard that he was a healer and a worker of miracles. She had spent all her money on her disease, but only grew worse. But she believed, listen to this, based on word of mouth alone, that if she could get close enough to Jesus to touch him, that she would be healed. And she was. I like the way Mark 5 fills in some of the details. You know, Jesus and the disciples were working their way through the crowd, and she came up behind and touched the hem of his garment. And it says that Jesus was aware that power had departed his body and evidently went into somebody. So he said, who touched me? And they said, what do you mean who touched you? Everybody's touching you. No, he said, who touched me with the touch of faith? Verse 22, but Jesus turned around and when he saw her, he said, be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. Amen. So getting back to Jairus and his daughter, when Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the noisy crowd wailing, let me explain a little bit. Back in those days, wealthy people would pay for people to mourn for their dead, to play instruments, to sing, and to wail, and to make a lot of noise, kind of like a professional expression of grief. Verse 24, he said to them, Make room, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping, and they ridiculed him. I like the King James, he says, Why do you make much ado about this? The damsel is just sleeping. She's not dead. And they laughed him to scorn. Verse 25. But when the crowd was put outside, you know why he put them outside, right? You're going to raise somebody from the dead. You don't need any unbelief in the room. 
But when the crowd was put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose. And the report of this went out into all that land. Amen. So when it was all said and done, Jesus was able and he was willing to raise Jairus' daughter from the dead. And everyone heard about it in that region, including two men mentioned in the next verse. Verse 27. When Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him, crying out and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. Okay, the first thing I want you to see is kind of hilarious. Can you picture two blind men trying to follow Jesus? What did that look like? What did that sound like? Oh, I think he's gone this way. I hear his sandals flapping on the cobblestone. No, he would be with the crowd and the crowd is going this way. So we need to go this way. Perhaps we should flip a coin. Anyway, that's how it went in my imagination. The other thing I want you to see is this. Anytime you read about people in the Bible that cry out things like, Son of David, have mercy on me. They are expressing or they were expressing their belief that Jesus was the descendant of King David and that he was the promised Messiah of Israel. That's what that means. Son of David. That phrase means we know you were descended from David and we know you are the Messiah. Verse 28. And when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him. Evidently, they made it. And Jesus said to them, do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, yes, Lord. Isn't that interesting? Jesus wants to know if the two blind men believe he is able to open their blind eyes. Verse 29. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, let it be to you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus sternly warned them, saying, See that no one knows it. But when they had departed, they spread the news about him in all that country. You know, if you and I were Jesus, we would have some sort of penalty system. I told you not to tell anybody, so you're going to be blind for a season until you keep your mouth shut. But Jesus evidently wasn't that way. Good thing Jesus is Jesus and not one of us. So evidently, what I get out of this, I'm intrigued by this. In fact, I've been meditating on that phrase for a solid week. Do you believe I am able to do this? So evidently, it's important to Jesus that you believe he is able to work miracles in your life when you need them. It's important to God that you believe he is able to help you overcome overwhelming odds. No matter how impossible the situation or the, the circumstances may appear to be. Because if he can't do it, nobody can. And if you can't believe he is able to work a miracle in your life, you certainly can't take the next step and believe that he is willing to work a miracle in your life. Do you see the logic in that? No, you have to believe both. I believe God is able and he is willing to bring the miracle you need into your life. 
I believe God is able and he is willing to help you overcome overwhelming odds. I believe God is able and is willing to help you achieve things you never dreamed possible. Turn with me in your Bible, if you would, to Ephesians 3, verse 20. My wife's favorite verse in the Bible. Ephesians 3, 20 in the New King James Version. You probably heard it before, and you're going to hear it again. Verse 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. I love, love, love the way it is expressed in the Amplified Classic Version. I have this memorized, but I'm going to read it just in case I mess it up. It says, Now to him who by in consequence of the action of his power that is at work within us is able to carry out his purpose and do superabundantly far over and above all that we dare ask or think infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. Can you imagine what is being said there? Here we see that the concept of God being able and willing is extended to all that we dare ask or think. Our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, and dreams. He is able and he is willing to tap into the deepest, seedest dreams that he has placed within your heart. And by the action of his spirit within you, help you to accomplish them, even if at first you don't believe it is possible. Even those things you don't dare ask or think about because you believe there's just, they're just too out there for God to really bring them to pass. You know what I'm saying? They're just fringe in your mind. So you don't dare ask or think them in case God's listening. Well, how many know he's listening anyway? And he's already tapped into what you don't dare ask or think and told you, I can take you beyond that if you'll trust me. Amen. He is even able and willing to help you do the unthinkable. He just said it here. If you will line up and agree with the working of his spirit within. Amen. I know I took you to some lofty heights. And I got you thinking. But I want to talk for a minute about a leper. Who had a significant question to ask of Jesus. Matthew chapter 8. Verse 1 through 3. New King James, Matthew chapter 8. When he, that is Jesus, had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing. Be cleansed. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. The leper that approached Jesus didn't question whether Jesus was able to heal him. He wanted to know whether or not he was willing to heal him. 
Notice that Jesus answered the leper's question with action. He stretched forth his hand and he touched him, even though he was probably highly contagious and full of leprosy. And he answered his question by saying, I am willing, be cleansed. You can't say it any clearer than that. I am willing, be cleansed. So when it comes to healing and miracles, Jesus wants you to know he is able and he is willing to bring you what you need. In fact, when it comes to healing, he's already provided it through the finished work of Jesus Christ. All you have to do is receive what he's already purchased for you. But that's a different teaching for a different time. The point I'm trying to make here this morning is this. When it comes to believing God for the impossible in your life or believe in God for miracles in your life or believe in God to overcome overwhelming odds, there are fundamental things you have to believe, and one of them is this. He is able and he is willing. I said he is able and he is willing. One more time. He is able and he is willing. Amen. So I know this was a relatively short message So what I want to do is wrap this up by talking about something that I call the everyone but me syndrome. (laughs) The everyone but me syndrome. That is, God will do it for everyone else, but for some reason, he won't do it for me. The leper in Matthew 8, 2, believed that Jesus was able to heal him. He just wasn't convinced that Jesus was willing to heal him. I submit to you this morning that in general, in a general sense, that is where the majority of the body of Christ finds themselves today. They believe God is able to do the impossible in their lives or work miracles in their lives or to overcome overwhelming odds. They're just not convinced that he's willing to do it for them. I know because I've struggled with this in my own life. And I know a lot of other Christians who struggle with this as well. Many of them pastors and leaders in the church. Well, you know, I haven't prayed as much as I should have lately. I haven't read my Bible as much as I should have lately. You know, I still struggle with thoughts that come and go in my mind that I know I've got no business thinking about. And on and on we go, coming up with excuses why God could do the impossible in our lives, could work a miracle in our lives, could help us overcome impossible odds. But because of our poor performance, he is not willing to do so. How many know I'm speaking truth here? Listen, saints of God, cast off this kind of thinking once and for all. I'm telling you, by the authority of the Holy Spirit, it's not coming from God. It's not coming from God. It is a lie of the enemy. Listen, if there's something in your life that's not right and your heart is tender, God is able to communicate that to you and help you set it right. None of us is perfect on the outside. We're only perfect on the inside, in our spirits. That is, if Jesus is your Lord and you're born again. 
So don't be influenced by the everyone but me syndrome. When it comes to believing God for the impossible in your life or in the life of your church or in the life of your nation, ask yourself two questions. Do I believe God is able? Yes, I believe God is able. Do I believe God is willing? Yes, I believe God is willing. And I believe he's willing to do it for me. Amen. Short and sweet, but a lot to think about. Amen. Let me pray over you and we'll release you to the Lord. Father, I thank you for these people. They are blessed. They are wonderful. Thank you, Father God. They're blessed going out. They're blessed coming in. They're blessed in the city. They're blessed in the field. Everything they put their hand to shall prosper. No weapon formed against them shall prosper. No evil shall befall them. Neither shall any plague come nigh their dwelling, including COVID-19. Thank you, Lord. You have given your angels charge over them to keep them in all their ways. And Holy Spirit, guide them and lead them into the gifts and callings of God that you've placed upon their life. I commit them to your care, Father, until I see them again. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed Dr. Forrest's message. He is able and he is willing. If you're in the Wilmington area and are looking for a place to worship, come join us on Sunday at 9.45 a.m. for Coffee and Fellowship and 10.30 for worship and service. If you would like to learn more about us and hear more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington.